0: Well, good morning. My name is Delmar. I'm the campus pastor at Pacala. And I'll be honest, it's an honor to be here. It is sad, just uh, the nature of why I'm here with Pastor Clay losing his brother. So, this morning, before we get started, I'd really like to pray again for him, but also I don't come in my own strength today either. So, we all in it together. Does that sound good? Let's pray. <clears throat> God, I thank you for who you are and in uh, light of who we are. And I just uh, ask that in the next few minutes, God, as we as we hold your word up, as we look at it, that the truth um, that will remain, and Father, anything that just um, maybe misspeak or over lifting myself up, that that would just fade into the background. It's in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are in a series, we're landing a series actually called Place of Grace. If you've been around here for a minute, you've heard that said a lot. But ultimately what we're talking about is how does grace play out in our lives and in the church, right? And if you're a believer, you know that grace is the very thing every single Christian has received. Which means it should be in the foundation of everything we're ever a part of, shouldn't it? It should be. And ultimately what Pastor Clay's been talking about over the past few weeks is this, is to be a place of grace, we must be connected to Jesus, whose love, and have that support in the face of hate. And what we've been doing is digging into John chapter 15. And today we're gonna to get to the end of this chapter and we're gonna see that grace, yes, it saves us, yes, grace calls us into community, but here's the beautiful thing, God has given us the ability to be guided in that grace. Now that being said, this is something I know universally, we don't like guidance, do we? <clears throat> how many of y'all love guidance, You're Like, man, just guide me? No, you hate it. If you have kids or grandkids, how long did it take you to figure out your kids do not wanna to be told what to do, right? Like, like, right now in my house, the three most spoken words are, I do it. I do it. I do it. I do it. I'll be doing something, and I'll turn around my two-year-old or three-year-old. Says, I do it. I do it. And I'm like, no, you can't do this. This will bring you pain, right? So then I leave the room. He's like, oh, I do it. And then he does it, and next thing you know, somebody's crying or something's broken, right? Any of y'all ever been in this situation? You feel me, right? And we don't grow out of this, right? This isn't something, oh, well, when I get older now, I like guidance. No, Especially us men. And you're about to get some looks, men, by the women. Because how many times have we been in a car and we don't know where we're going? I mean, we know where we're going, but we don't know where we're going, right? And your wife looks at you and she's like, you don't know where you're going. I've been here 15 times. She's like, but that was 30 years ago, right? Just look in your phone and say, Siri, make it happen, right? But no, we got to figure it out because we don't want guidance. And this is indicative to almost every human. On some level, we hate it. And, and, and I think it's really practical why we don't like it. I mean, first of all, I haven't met somebody yet who's like, man, I just love admitting I don't know things. I love, like no one likes that, right? Like because on some level, we all have that little lump of pride which keeps us from saying, I don't wanna admit it. Or I think a lot of times we don't seek guidance because we don't think we need it, right? Like I could put the grill together. I don't need those instructions until it's upside down, right, and it's fully assembled. You're like, how'd that happen? I don't know. We don't think we need it until it's too late. But then there's one, and I think this is the one I'm most guilty of, so you may not be there with me. What I hate is that when you get to the end of receiving guidance, you get those words that go like this, I told you, sit in that, right? Somebody tells you I told you so a couple times, how many times you want to ask for guidance, right? It's humbling, but the reality is, we all need it, and we need it a lot more than just how you put the grill together. We need it for deep things that's happening in our life every day. And that's why today, this scripture that was just read over us, is so infinitely important to literally every single one of us in here. If you're still living, you need this guidance. And in this passage, what Jesus is referring to, or who he's referring to is a better way to put it, he's referring to the Holy Spirit, this guide, Right? And as Christians, we see that Scripture is pretty consistent in showing that God is 100% what we would call the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now you're like, that doesn't make, how do you 100% be all one thing? That doesn't, percentages, math, I'm confused. Like, how does that work out, right? In the Christian church, we call this the triune God. He's three in one, or for short, the Trinity. Now, I'm just gonna let's just say the the thing that needs to be said, right? If you try to explain the Trinity to someone who does not Christ follower, it comes across as very weird. Can we just own that? Like that's difficult to understand, and I think that's because for those of us who follow Christ as believers, this is very confusing to understand. How does the Trinity come together? How does that work? How do you be three in one? And and honestly, this is what I've heard a lot of times from people as one of their main excuses to not follow Jesus, to not follow God. Listen, that kind of God makes no sense in my reality. Like, it makes no sense. And I can't even begin to understand that. Well, let me ask you this. Do you understand yourself? I mean, really, be honest. Do you fully understand yourself? Because I know me, there's times in my life where I'm like, why did I just say that thing? Like, I know I shouldn't have said that thing. And it's while I'm saying it, I'm saying in my head, you shouldn't be saying the thing, right? Like, I don't even know my own self. Why do I have these desires? I know I shouldn't have these desires. We don't even understand our own selves, but yet we wanna follow a God that we understand because what we're really saying is we will only follow a God who is smaller than us. And that's a dangerous place to be, right? So if we want to really get into it, like, why does God exist in Trinity? Here's the thing. God can exist that way, not because he doesn't fit into our reality, but because he defines reality. And Trinity is how he has revealed himself to us. And and I think it's a fair question to say, okay, God, well, why do you do that? Why do you reveal yourself to us as a Trinity? And to, to, to that question, here's an answer I got for you. He doesn't say. But he actually does something I believe better. He says, I'm going to show you the implications of me existing this way. And this is very huge as we, as we land this plane today. All right? We know that he exists in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So look at the implications of this. The Father is involved in his creation as the Father is involved in the lives of his children. There are a lot of people who claim to follow God that would just say they're what you would call theists. And they believe that God made everything and then step back and just now he's just over here watching But I can tell you this, when we see in Scripture, that couldn't be further from the truth. God is massively concerned about what's happening in this world and in your life. And there's two big reasons. Ready? First reason, he loves you. And a good father is involved. A good father is involved. Number two, it would go against his nature to create something that he ultimately does not have authority over. That would not be God. His plans wouldn't really be plans. They'd be more like wishes. Man, I wish this person would do this, right? But can I tell you something? We don't serve a God who wishes upon a star. We serve a God who creates the stars and then tells them where to go. It's the God we have. And, and I hope we see the magnitude of why he must exist as a father. Because if there is no God the father, there is no hope for existence. Everything just goes to chaos Another implication of the Trinity is obviously the Son, the Son Jesus. The Son is God in flesh who comes to redeem the world. Because we know the world is, is broken through our own doing, through sin. And because of that, we have a good God who can't just overlook that sin. He has to see that that sin is received in justice, has justice received to it. So what does he do? He comes down here, lives the perfect life, dies on the cross for the sin of all those who would follow him. Now, let me, let me, let me say this quite plainly. What, what this means is this. If Jesus wasn't a part of the Trinity, who would have entered into earth to die for your sin and my sin? This is massively important that he's a part of the Trinity because if there's no Jesus, there's no hope for redemption. You see how the Trinity is really amazing in that it starts off with the cosmos. Like, He creates reality and sustains it. Then it goes, he's saving his church, right? And now here in the idea of the Holy Spirit or the reality of the Holy Spirit, we get to see it's intimately brought home to us with God. Lastly, the Holy Spirit is intimately connected to his people. This is how God works in us every single day. He's at work to to bring people who are far from God to God. And then he lives in our lives as a guide. And not just a guide, but even an enabler, So what that means is this. Cool, the galaxy's not going to chaos. Wonderful, I'm redeemed. But amazing that now God himself comes to me and helps me live that life he's called me to do. That'd be a tall order to do on your own, wouldn't it? So with with the understanding of this, I want you to hear this. With the magnitude of the Trinity, let's take that back into this verse. Because that's really the magnitude that Jesus is bringing into it. Look at this. When the advocate comes, this is Jesus saying, who I will send you from the Father, the spirit of truth goes out from the Father. All right, full stop, because this is big. This, this, he uses the word advocate. In some of your translations, it may say comforter. In some of your translations, it may say helper. You're like, well, why are there so many different, can they not land on one? Well, the fact of the matter is, the word here being used is a Greek word called paraclete, all right? And paraclete has a lot of different understandings. And every single one of them is definitely on board with who the Spirit is. So when they heard this word, when the paraclete comes, they knew full well what Jesus was saying about the Holy Spirit, So so let me tell you what what, what the understanding of the paraclete is or the Holy Spirit or the helper. The first thing the paraclete does is he comforts, which means this. When tough times do come your way, when you're in mourning, when you lose someone, you have a comforter. And and I'm just going to be honest, even as I was just going through this yesterday, thinking about Pastor Clay sitting in this passage this past week. You know, these passages, we choose these passages like three to six months out. God knew six months ago, Pastor Clay needed to sit in this this week. And, and I think it's a very honest prayer right now that our pastor needs the paraclete, the comforter. And I think it's fair to assume that there are also some out here who need it too. And just as much as this for him is for you today that you need to lean into this. And the way he comforts us is by doing this. He reminds you that you are not alone. That's how the Holy Spirit reminds us. He reminds us through the scriptures. He says in Psalm 23, 4, Yo, know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That's what he does. He brings that comfort. And he doesn't just bring comfort, though. That idea of the paraclete has a couple other things. Another way that it is, and some of your translations say it, is this, that he is your advocate. All right? This is a legal term. What's an advocate? An advocate is someone who stands on behalf of someone else. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying the Holy Spirit. All right, ready for this newsflash? is a newsflash. It's going to blow your mind. Ready? The Holy Spirit knows your soul better than you do. The Holy Spirit knows your soul better than you do. And that time when you were tempted and you didn't run and you fell into that sin, let me tell you, did did that sin catch God off guard? No. It's easy for us to be like, well, God's in heaven with a magnifying glass. Oh, I caught you. No sin catches God off guard. This is the purpose of the Holy Spirit in your life. He knows your spirit better than you do. Now, this thing right here, This is probably one of the most life-changing concepts in my life personally. And it's connected to this. And that is this. The Holy Spirit is the literal presence in you before the Father that your sin has been paid for by Jesus. Let that really sink in. The Holy Spirit is the literal presence in you before God who rightly could judge you and send you to hell But instead, you have the spirit. We call this being sealed with the Holy Spirit, which means this. He will never lose you. And there is no sin that can pull you from his presence. Because right now, the goodness that you need to be with him isn't even upon you. It's Christ's work on behalf of you, being made alive in the Holy Spirit. That's some fantastic news. Because how many of us, we mess up and we're like, I've got to beat myself up for at least three days now, right? At least three, that sounds good, right? We struggle with this, but it's important that he is advocating to the Father for us, but not just that. He's actually advocating to us in the sense that what he's doing, he's going to guide us to understand why we sin. Because though it's been paid for, we don't sit in it, right? Psalm 139, 24 says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. Got a couple of those, right? See if there is any offense in my way and lead me in the way everlasting. What we see is this the Holy Spirit's on your side as an advocate. And that conviction you have when you sin, that's not just your conscience. That's him reminding you. And here's, here's the big thing that's also one of the main reasons the majority of the world will never follow Christ. That reason. Who wants to make your decisions? I want to make my decisions. Right? Who wants to um, make all the choices in my life? I want to make them. Who wants to, de- who wants to define my identity? I want to define my identity. But when I, when I say I follow Christ, now he, through the Spirit, is the one guiding me, directing me, defining my identity. The world doesn't want that. And today, if you're here, I would encourage you, Like, if that is offensive to you, just ask yourself why. Instead of getting mad, Because that's what he wants for us. He wants to advocate on your behalf. And another thing he does, this is really fascinating the Paraclete encourages. So when you hear this word, this is also a military term. Because back then, what would happen is you'd have this officer who would run behind the front line while they're fighting, and he would get up right behind them and he'd be like, push forward. Don't stop, don't stop. Hey, listen, I'm behind you, I have your back. Plus, think of this, look at this military might that we have. This is the work that needs to be done. Push forward. They needed that encouragement so they didn't turn back. And you know what? We need that encouragement today too, don't we? I mean, at Alice Drive, I mean, we kind of just wear it on the sleeve. We believe, we want to see as many people as possible take their next step toward Jesus, right? How many is as many? Uh, that's a lot, right? If I really want to say that's the purpose of our church, which means every one of us runs with that, that is overwhelming. That can't happen without an encourager. Now, in your own personal life, let me ask you a very honest, vulnerable question Where do you need encouragement right now? M- maybe it's at work. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's with dealing with the school tension stuff. Where do you need encouragement? Because what I've learned is this, places where we need encouragement, that's often where our character needs to grow. That's where your character needs to grow. And here's, here's another thing you already know. Growing your character is not fun, is it? I mean, I can't remember the last time I sat in line at Popeye's for 30 minutes, right? It was like, Lord, I just thank you for this beautiful character-building opportunity to experience patience, right? Put on some K-Love and have church. No, I don't do that at all, right? I'm angry because he's growing me. But that's the thing. When we we look at him as our encourager, you need that encouragement. But when you receive the encouragement from God, listen, it's also a challenge. It's a challenge. Because there's something attached to it. Paul says in Ephesians 2, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So listen, when he's encouraging us, what he's often doing is challenging us to be about others. Who's that person in your life that you need to call? Maybe you need to cut their yard for them. They got a bad go at it right now. Or maybe they just, you just need to listen. That's what it means to have that encouragement military God behind in your back and on your back and your heart. Another thing is this, the last one is this, the paraclete informs. And this is also another military term. Basically, what would happen, that officer who would run up to encourage you, He would also bring information, which is helpful. Because if I want to tell you to move forward, I probably should have a clue of what's going on, right? So this is God. God has a clue of everything that's going on. He knows where the battle needs to be pressed and where it doesn't. Just like this military leader. He would run up and he would be like, listen, we were up on the hill. We just observed the battle. Over here, their defenses are really strong. So just fight a holding position here. But over here, they're weak. So you push in and you dominate. That's what they need. Now, here's another news flash. You ready to have your mind blown for a second time today? God knows more about your life and your world than you do. This is very important for us to sit in because of all the stuff we see on TV today, I don't believe half of what I see. And then I probably shouldn't believe but half of that, right? And then even then, I question if that's real. But what we see here in this text. Is this news flash? I mean, go back to the text, John chapter 15, verse 26 says, He will testify, the Holy Spirit will testify about me. About who? Jesus. See, in the middle of the chaos and the frenzy and the lies, the Holy Spirit will always bring you the truth. And the greatest truth you could ever know today is this, that Jesus Christ loved you, came for you, died for you. And if they strip every freedom you have and you have Christ, you are the most free person on the planet. And if we can't sit in that as reality, then how connected are we to him? We have to see where we are in the spirit. He will testify about me. And the good thing is this, we can trust what he says. Like he says in the scripture here, he says, I will send you from the father, the spirit of truth. Spirit of what? Say it with me. Truth. The spirit of truth who goes out from the father. See, here's the thing. Scripture is very clear. Who is the father of lies? Satan. Satan's the father of lies. It also says he's the prince of this age. And I think it's really easy to look. All you have to do is observe the entire culture of the world, right? If you hold the things most valued in almost every culture of the earth right now and looked at it and just, just do the opposite, you might be walking in the way of Christ, right? Because Satan is the father of lies, and he wants us to see the lies. But here's the deal. It's really easy for us to be like, yeah, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Let's, let's be really honest, though. We lie to our own self, Right? Like you're at the party, you know, just hanging out and you're like trying to watch yourself and you're like, I'm pretty sure that cake ain't got but like 50 calories in it. You're like, it's just like that big, right? Like I'm holding it right now. It don't weigh a pound. There's no way this thing's got like a thousand calories. Let's just do it, right? Or like, oh, pizza, you know, pizza at Little C only $5. That's the same amount as a combo from cookout. So it must meant to be completely eaten as well. That's just logic, right? We've got to eat the pizza, right? Like we go there. And we seriously, we lie to ourselves. And like while we're doing it, we low-key know we're doing it. But we still do. And that's why it's so important that we have this informant, that we have this paraclete who's telling us the truth. Because what's the truth? You need to hear the truth that you don't want to hear. That's the truth. And sometimes that's difficult because that means this. Your life is not in order That habit's gonna destroy your life. Or you know what? Those wounds you've been carrying around, they're no longer wounds for you, they're trophies that you use to get other people to look at you. Like these are real things that the Holy Spirit could tell us. Or sometimes this is more than you can handle, you need to hand it over to God. But do you see, like, the fullness of what the Spirit does? He comforts us. He advocates for us. He encourages us, and he informs us. And when you put that together, I would say this. How could we ever not want to live with that? So that brings us to the the real struggle that a lot of us have. I have it. That is this. How do you know if it's actually the Holy Spirit guiding you? If you've been a Christian five minutes, you struggle with whether or not you know you're doing what you're supposed to do, right? Right? Like, all right, I might be about to sound like a heretic, but I'm going to be honest, right? I've been praying to God sometimes, and I'm like, God, I don't know if this is what you want me to do. I don't know if this is me being selfish, or I don't know if this is the enemy trying to get me to listen because he wants me to take this whole thing off the rails. Am I the only one who's ever felt like that? And now I feel bad because I'm like, man, I'm trying to tell God from Satan. What? Right? And I think this is important that we struggle with this, that we call it out but not just call it out, that we see how to navigate it. So what we're going to do is I'm going to show you some, some, I think, very good qualifiers to know if you're actually hearing from the Spirit. But first of all, let me put them under this massive umbrella. You ready? The Spirit's work in your life is to bring glory to God. Stop. Say it again. Spirit's work in your life is to position you to give Him glory. It's not to position me to fatten my bank account, right? It's not to position me to have more clout, to be more well-known, to be a superstar. That's not it. Some people he does bless with money so they can glorify who? God. Some people he raises up as leaders because he wants them to glorify him as God. That's his work in your life. Now, how do you know if you're following under that umbrella? First thing, we'll start with the most objective thing, and that is this. Is the message consistent with Scripture? Right? Is, the, is, is what you're feeling, is what you're being led to do in the Spirit, is it consistent with Scripture? This is why reading your Bible is important. Not just reading it, but studying it. Like reading before the thing you wanted to read so you can know it in context. This is why it's so important, because God will never tell you to violate his word in your personal life. That would make him a hypocrite. That would make him a liar. And then what part of the Bible would we know to trust anymore? He will never tell you that. But we see it, right? When I was in Newberry, I was a youth leader, and there was another youth leader in town. And one day he was there, and the next day, you know, he was fired. I'm like, what? That made no sense to me because he was like super popular, right? All the kids liked hanging out with him. He had a whole head full of hair. He looked good. Like I'm saying, he had everything you wanted a youth pastor. I, I kind of low-key envied this guy. I was like, he's why'd you fire him? Y'all know how I got fired? I'll tell you why I got fired. Because yeah, he was really popular with the kids. Because he believed that before you spoke the truth of Jesus, you had to buy relational credibility with them, right? Which means you had to get street cred with the kids so they'll listen to you. Because that's the Bible's just filled with that, right? Going, and then what he decided to do, leaning on the Holy Spirit to get street cred, was he became the guy who provided the alcohol for all the students in the community on Friday nights. Yeah! Let's just run that through the really objective is that I'm pretty sure Scripture has some things about breaking the law, right? I'm pretty sure Scripture has something to say about helping students dishonor their parents, right? Like, I just think about where he had to be in the mind space to be like, I really want to help your kid know Jesus by providing them with liquor on Friday nights. No, you know what? That dude didn't get fired. That dude probably fled town because as a daddy, he would need to flee town, Okay. He didn't even take it through the first barrier. Is it consistent with scripture? God will never tell you to violate his word. And here's the thing: some of us in here we're struggling with hearing some things. God, I'm really struggling with this decision. If you let that hit the scriptures, he'll answer that so fast, you'll be like, I don't even know why that was a struggle. Doesn't mean it might not make it easier for you, but at least you know your answer, right? Another thing is this is the message challenging? Because very oftentimes our growth, the thing God wants to do, is at the edge of discomfort, right? Like that's where we find growth. That's where we have to learn to have faith and to trust him. But let me go ahead and say this. you got to make sure it's consistent with Scripture because it can be challenging and both stupid at the same time, right? Like for today, if I'm like, all right, everyone, I feel like the Lord wants to demonstrate his power to all of you. And I'm going to jump off of this building and float, Right? You're like, I'm pretty sure that's not anywhere remotely. Script- but it's challenging. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's challenging, right? But I'm also pretty sure Scripture says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Got to make it hit it. But here's the deal. If it's, if it's on point with Scripture and it's challenging, then I would encourage you to lean in because it may actually be the direction he's called you to go. Because the entire life toward Christ is that of challenge. The first one, receiving grace, realizing you're a sinner, that's challenging, Right? Being obedient in baptism, being a national billboard for everyone to see, that's a little challenging. Knowing community, humbling yourself, saying, I'm going to sit in a group and not be better than anyone, not be anyone's boss. That's challenging. Sharing, growing your character, serving, that's challenging. And you know what else we realize is this. Oftentimes the things he's called us to, just like this list, are 100% not about you not about me. It's about positioning you to give him glory. So let me ask you, in that, what's your next step? Chances are it's probably something that you don't want to admit or that you've been running from. It's that phone call you haven't been wanting to make, right? Or that text you don't want to return. And then lastly, lastly, how do you know if you're hearing from God? And This is a really great question. Does wise counsel agree with this message? Do people in my life who love Jesus and are pursuing God, do they think this is wise? Because we all only have a partial understanding of actual reality, correct? So being in a room with other people, sitting with them and letting them speak in your life is very important. Because we see what happens if you don't. Like right now, one of the biggest podcasts in America is, is by Christianity Today. It's called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And every like people who don't even know Jesus are listening to this podcast because it's fascinating, right? For me, it's, it's, it's a little personal because the, it's about a pastor named Mark Driscoll. And growing up, like I listened to him a lot because the fact of the matter is he's a fantastic teacher. But his character does not align with his teaching. And at the end of the day, to put it plainly, he's a jerk. That's what you see, right? And he was fired from his last church because... He was was rude and hateful to people. And now he's in tension at his new church because of this. And there could come a point where we get educated beyond our humility. Isn't that correct? So it's so good for us to have a group. And over and over again, as you listen to the podcast, a theme that keeps coming up is this one theme. He never submitted to authority. So let me ask you really gently, like, is there a, God honoring space in your life where you submit yourself to the authority of other believers. That's why we have life groups. It's not just because oh Sunday school and tradition. That's not the reason we have life group. Is because everyone needs to sit in a circle where they are where they are equal at the foot of the cross and speak truth into each other. I have my own. We meet every single Wednesday morning, and they spoke some truth to me that's not often easy to hear. But listen, when we take those things, right, and we, and we follow those guidelines, we at least know more clearly that we are, in fact, pursuing what God wants in your life. But here's the thing. You can't, we can't just shut it down here. Because listen, the front end, we talked about this is what the Holy Spirit does for you. And now this is how you listen. But listen, it's not just about listening. You must listen and what? Obey. This is what we do. This is what we do in response to this. Look at, look at verse 27. And you must also testify, for you have been with me since the beginning. Here's what he says. He goes, yes, you're hearing from me now. And now he's talking specifically to his apostles here. He says, now your job is to go tell others what you've seen and what you're going to see. And today, how does that translate to us? It translates to us this way. We are also supposed to be telling people what we are seeing Jesus do now. So let me ask you, what's Jesus done in your life? As good or as hard as it may be. If you're a Christ follower, what's he done in your life? I mean, recall the very moment when you realized you were forgiven. Like, actually knowing that, what did that do in your soul? Hey, is there a prayer in your life that you prayed really, really, really hard for and God was like, no, no, no. And on the other side of it, you're like, man, I am so glad God, you said no to that. I got a couple of those, right? Hey, what doors has he opened in your life that you're like, I know that was a God moment. Hey, what people has he brought in your life? Your arm may be around her now. These are testimonies to God's work in your life. And let me ask you this, who needs to hear those stories? Who in your life needs to hear what Christ has done for you by forgiving you of your sins and giving you a greater purpose to live for? So today I wanna give you a question. And this is for you if you're a believer, this is a prayer. Now here's the deal, this ain't one of them easy prayers to pray. You know, any of you prayed a prayer by accident? You know what I mean? Like, you're praying a prayer, you're like, oh God, help this day, whatever, and then God answers that prayer, and you're like, oh man, I didn't realize I was praying for that. Anybody? This is one of those. On the front end, it doesn't sound that hard, but if God answers this in your life, it's gonna be very demanding. And here it is. Here's the prayer I would encourage you with. God, show me who needs to hear my stories. The stories of what you've done in my life. And if you're extra bold, God, make me do it. But I think there's some listening right now. They're not there yet. We need to back up a little bit because you're really stuck at this question. I think it's a fair question to answer, and that is this. Do you want God intimately involved in your life? That's, that's what he does through the spirit. And I think many would say no because then they would have to obey God, right? Then they would have to deal with conviction, Be told to do things you don't want to do, or not told to do things you want to do. But let me just, let me kind of gently just say this. When you say no to that, what you're ultimately saying is this. Whatever I face in life, I want to face it alone. Think about that statement. I want to just be alone in it. And you're like, oh, no, I got, I got a spouse, I got kids. Okay, but when you go in your bedroom and close the door and life hits you, no one's inside your head. No one's inside your heart. You're alone to deal with those feelings. And what he's saying is, listen, you don't have to. You could be someone today who has faith in Jesus, who has forgiveness, the, and you can have the Holy Spirit. And at the end of it, the core of Christianity is that you're not alone. You're not alone in your sin. Christ came and died for you. You're not alone in your circumstances. And when life happens, heck, when death happens, that is everything. Everything. I don't know if you're like me, but I've been following a lot of the stuff coming out of Afghanistan lately. Any of y'all been watching this stuff? Like, it's horrible. A story came out. It was on the Gospel Coalition um, website about the Christians who were gathering just a week ago when, when the Taliban finally came and took over, right? Um, when, they, when they showed up for church, they were still just normal Afghanistan, right? They heard the Taliban was making some moves, but they were just worshiping. And and this one pastor wrote and told us this story that when he was in there, they had just finished preaching the sermon on Sunday morning. And whenever um, you get done preaching a sermon, if you're a good Baptist church, you're going to sing a song after it, right? So they went down and started singing the song. The music leader came up in front of everybody. And the music leader said, today we are going to sing, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And I don't know if you've heard that song. If you haven't, you need to hear this song. It's a, um, but the pastor shared the story that they were all singing this song together. And, and they were going verse 1, verse 2, verse 3. Once they got to the last verse, as right as they were getting to the last verse, one of their Afghani brothers came into the, into the sanctuary, walked up beside the pastor, leaned and whispered in his ear, listen, the president has just resigned. This country is now in the hands of the Taliban in the middle of a mighty fortress is our God. And then they sang the last verse. And this is the last verse. Let goods and kindreds go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Let me tell you, in that moment, Through the promise of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit, they knew they weren't alone. And even though right now they may feel alone, they're not alone. But I will tell you, the Holy Spirit message in front of them, hold it up to a litmus test. Does Scripture say you will be persecuted for your faith? Yes. Is the challenge before them now difficult? Yes. Yes. So now what do they do? They lean into that wise counsel. And here's the beauty of it for us sitting in this room on the other side of the world. That same spirit who pre-selected that song that they needed to hear in that minute. That's empowering them to be the remnant in a country that is far from God right now. That same spirit is available to you right now. Don't ever say you're weak. If you have that Holy Spirit in you, let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for honestly just being you, for being the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God, I ask that you would guide us in our everyday life. God, that you would allow us to experience you advocating for us, encouraging us, informing us. God, that we would follow you diligently and with purpose. And God, we do. We pray for the worldwide church right now. We ask that your spirit would comfort them. And that through your power, your spirit, they know that they're not alone because they have you. And God, I know that there are many here today who might need that same message that they are not alone. God, that you will comfort them with that. So in Jesus' name. Amen.